I'm Katie Capps, co-founder and co-CEO of Hyodos. And today on Hot Seat, I'm here with Gigi Robinson, who is a founder, entrepreneur, and chronic illness advocate. And today on Hot Seat, we're gonna be diving into your background, mm -hmm. just finding out all about you and sweating it out in the sauna. Incredible. You ready to go? Let's do it. So at age 11, you were diagnosed with a chronic condition. Mm -hmm. What were your symptoms? So I grew up in New York City, luckily, and my mom works in healthcare. Mm -hmm. So that really gave me the leg up to, I think, figuring out what was wrong with me, especially because the best doctors in the world are here, respectfully. Mm -hmm. And I would just get these injuries, like back to back, like an ankle break, a sprain, a shoulder dislocation, a fractured elbow from a cartwheel. And it was like, I was getting injured so easily, mm -hmm. almost like, why is swimming dislocating your shoulder? Or like, mm. why is a cartwheel fracturing your elbow, so on and so forth. And so at one of my emergency room visits, a doctor that was on call in the ER was like, you guys should go to the hospital for a special surgery and check it out, see this doctor. We saw the doctor and mm -hmm. literally after like the first injury, she was like, I think you have Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility syndrome and you should see this geneticist. Went to the geneticist, she confirmed. And that was what I found out at age 11. And I was like a kid. I didn't know what, what any of that meant, yeah, honestly. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that was definitely really formative for me, mm -hmm. I think, because I always was left out. Like, I, was, I couldn't play in gym class. I had to give up swimming. I wanted to actually be an Olympic swimmer. That was, like, my goal at one mm -hmm. point in life. It just was really challenging as a young person to have that happen on top of puberty, on top of middle school and high school, um, especially in New York. Getting into high school is mm -hmm. like so stressful. And so, yeah, it was just like an additional stress that I had yeah. uh, in my life at the and, time. And what did it mean for you? Like, what did you have to change about your life having that diagnosis? Well, it really affected a lot from, you know, telling friends that were like, come with us after school. I was like, oh, I have to like go see my mom or like I have like a appointment to like do something when really I was going to doctor's appointments and mm. physical therapy. And so it was a lot of like feeling a little bit left out, but also needing to protect myself because I didn't want to be judged, which is unfortunate because that's just like we live in a really ableist society. Mm -hmm. And that trained me from a young age to hide and be ashamed of my chronic health issues. Mm, that's such a shame because it's already so much to deal with. And mm -hmm. then on top of like hiding it and did, do you feel like you were bullied because of it or? I was never like outwardly bullied by people being like making fun of things. But I mean, looking back, it was challenging throughout my even collegiate career. Like mm. I had literally, I mean, that's fortunately or unfortunately, my career is based off of how I found my voice through when my professors didn't believe me at school and my friends didn't believe me. It's, mm. It wasn't about what I physically had. It was about other people's perception of like what I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you're working so hard. You must be fine. You're just copping out or, you know, you're, you're just not interested in being in this friendship mm -hmm. or so on and so forth. So it really affected my relationships more than anything. I think with friends, fam, not really family, family's always been supportive, but friends and school and work mm. was really, really a challenge. Yeah. And what, it, what exactly were the three diagnoses? Yeah. So Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which okay. is hypermobility, uh, essentially, and it's a genetic disorder. And then mast cell activation syndrome and mm -hmm. POTS, which is has been more common. And most recently, I just got diagnosed with endometriosis. So 
Now it's four. Oh wow! Yay me! <laughs> oh wow! And what are what are the most like intense symptoms that you have from all that now? Well, it's really interesting. So I just had this surgery, this laparoscopic surgery, to uh -huh. see and remove the endometriosis if it was there, and it took thirteen years to get this diagnosis of endometriosis. And so I'm rethinking all of my pain, yeah, all of my stomach issues, mm -hmm. all of my back issues. What if it was just the endometriosis the whole time? Yeah, and it begs the question of like. We need to really fix our healthcare system right now. Right. There's a real problem that one in 10 women deal with endometriosis. That's wild. And it's, it's just wild. It's a wild thing to think about. And on top of that, it just angers me and frustrates me that I had to go through so many different doctors, so many different treatments and medicines and putting things in my body and waking up really early to go to physical therapy just to have it not work, just to feel really injured, to have this awful, awful fatigue my whole life to the past month where my body's almost like reaching equilibrium again. Good thing. Yeah. That's, that's such yeah. great news. I it's mean, because yeah, you, you seem like you have amazing energy. So are there things that you've been doing, like any wellness practices to kind of like yeah. manage the symptoms yeah. and like make sure that you're doing everything that's in your power to, to actually feel as good as you can given the circumstance? Yeah, well, over the years, it was always like physical therapy. I love water aerobics and swimming. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I also did like sauna, I would go for walks, but I could never do anything impact driven. So like right. even yoga could mess me up. Mm. So now, and, and part of the reason I think I also had a weird relationship with exercise, forced me to have a weird relationship with my body image. Mm -hmm. And it also forced me to have a weird relationship with eating. Right. And I was like, well, if I'm going to eat and I'm going to feel sick, I might as well not eat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, just like a teenager doing this. And nobody was saying, no, like you need to eat. You need to eat a certain way to feel good, so on and so forth. So the past month, literally the past month of my life, January 2023, has been the most transformational for me so far because my fatigue is melting away for like the first time in my life ever. And I genuinely think that I can do more. I, I'm craving movement. Wow. I've never craved yeah. that in my life before because I was too fatigued to even do that. So I have been doing the higher dose sauna blanket, Great. I will say. Great. Uh, in the morning, a cold shower, going for a walk at least a mile or two, mm -hmm. getting that fresh air and breath work, meditation. And the number one thing I will say, going to sleep at like 8.30. And waking up at six. So like I've been just early to bed, early to rise, doing my morning meditation, morning stuff, all done by eight o'clock so I can open my laptop, take care of my dog, and just do everything I need to do. And what's your, do you have any kind of process for getting ready for bed so that your mm. body is like, okay, it's yeah. rest time, I can fall yeah. asleep now? So I have the hatch, like a uh, clock. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm sure people know about the hatch clock. It's like a sunrise, sunset kind of unwinding routine thing. So I just like press the unwind button. It does like a nice little ocean for like an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of clean up my room from the day. I before would really just be so exhausted and I wouldn't be able to even clean my space because it would be too physically demanding for me. Wow. So I ended up having my assistant come over and help me clean for like a day. We mm -hmm. did it for 10 hours and we just cleaned everything. And now I'm like, okay, I have a system in place. I purged my closet. I purged my room. Yeah. And now I'm like, I want to be clean. I want it to be like peace of mind, clean space, clean mind. So I put this little clock on, clean the room. Um, I do like a shower rinse off like at night, just 
either cold or warm. Like, I've been doing the cold in the morning. Could probably do it twice a day, but no. Right. Let's be, let's one, be real about the once cold. Once is great. Once yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, then I'll just, like, get my journal. I'll mm-hmm. journal for, like, 30 minutes, listen to a sleep meditation, and, like, doze off. That's my schedule. Nice. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah. It's great. The hot seat is sponsored by the Edge Theory cold plunge tubs, which I love because we literally pop them up in our small locations, pop them down. You don't need plumbing. It's super easy. So user friendly and there's such a wide range of temperatures, which I think is one of the coolest things about it. It goes as cold as 37 degrees or as hot as 104 if you feel like having a hot tub after your cold plunge, which we always do. (laughs) So use code HIREDOSE15 for 15% off. And they're really cool looking too. You guys got to check it out at the hot seat. And one thing I wanted to ask about is I know you were featured in Sports Illustrated. Yes. So can you tell us about how that came about, what that process was like? Absolutely. So it kind of happened very spontaneously, but I definitely felt like I was called to do it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in life you'll go through things where it's like, I was meant to do this Mm -hmm. and this was something I knew deep down, like I felt that I needed to do. And so I was in Miami with a friend Okay. and we're driving like in a convertible tops down. They're like, so like, what are you going to do with your life? And I'm like, I'm going to be in Sports Illustrated. This is September of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the, this person looks at me and they're like, really? Like, haha, okay. And I'm like, just you wait, like it's going to happen. So I'm not like really thinking about it. I'm not planning it. Then December comes, I'm down there with my friend, and I'm like, oh shit, our flight's out at like 7 a.m. I gotta go shoot my stuff right now. See you later. So Mm -hmm. I like go to the beach with a couple of outfits. I shoot my part of my clips, and then I come back to New York. I work with my copy editor, and we write basically a a story, uh, my script, Mm -hmm. and then I film it, I edit it, I submit it while I was in Florida. Mm -hmm. Florida plays a key role here, clearly. Nice. And (laughs) then I'm down a month later with my, one of my best friends and we're driving and I get a call at the stoplight and I'd been answering all of the spam calls, literally every single one. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh God, like this is probably just getting more and more and more. Right. So I answer this random call and it's Joe from SI and she's like, hey, just want to let you know, like, we'll see you in the DR in two weeks. And I'm like, ah! So I literally started freaking out. And wow. I just was in Florida for every piece of the way. And I'm like, what is it about it? And for me, I think it really comes down to what grounds me. Mm-hmm. Florida is a place for me as a native New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a lot of air energy, a lot of concrete. Yep. Florida is like, <sighs> you can just put your feet on the sand and touch the earth and like really, really like get deep into who you are, I think. And so I think that's maybe why it happened there. And then I went, I did it. And it just was one of the most surreal things also, because when I got my diagnosis of Mm -hmm. EDS back when I was 11, I actually had to give up swimming Mm -hmm. and I found a new passion, which ended up being photography. Nice. And so I looked up to Yusai, mm-hmm. one of the world's most famous fashion photographers, my entire life. Like literally since I was 11 years old, since this diagnosis, and to not only be in SI talking as a chronic health advocate, a women's health advocate, but to also be there and be photographed by literally someone that I've idolized my entire life, I just think it was a moment where I knew. 
Like, I was literally like, this was meant for me. I was meant to be here. You manifested it. Yeah. It happened. So all the New Yorkers, just go to Florida, manifest <laughs> your dreams, and then you'll yeah. be in Sports Illustrated before you know it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you have a little extra magic going on in maybe. your life. But maybe. That's cool. That's why we're here to learn about it. Yeah. What was the uh, online response to your Sports Illustrated feature? I mean... I want to cry thinking about it. Aww. How many people around the world messaged me, mm-hmm. not only about EDS, but also I don't retouch any of my images. I don't do mm-hmm. any filters online, and I'm very open about that. I've never done that or haven't done it for years and years. Well, look at you. You don't need to. <laughs> no, but the, the point is it's about, you know, finding what's within mm-hmm. and, and your confidence and all of that. And I really chose. I, I said to them, I was like, I don't want to be retouched. I want people to also see me as I am and Mm -hmm. I'm showing up as this person dealing with these health issues Mm -hmm. and I don't need to go to Barry's boot camp five times a week before I don't need to get the cool sculpting or the M sculpt or the laser like I'm just gonna show up I did get a spray tan I did get my face gem like I did what I wanted yeah yeah but I didn't do anything to physically change how I was showing up presently in the moment and that response also is really amazing to to hear from other disabled and chronically ill people around the world saying my body looks like yours yeah and i'm really glad that you're the representation and also it just shined such a light on different things that i'm doing and how i'm helping the community so it was just beyond amazing um i still get messages like to this day and it just warms my heart so much incredible so speaking of your community Um, I know you're a big, you know, advocate for chronic illness and you have built this community Mm -hmm. around it. How did you go about building the community? So I have also been doing social media for years. I went to USC for undergrad and my master's Mm -hmm. and I had started social media because I wanted to actually be a photographer shooting for brands. Mm -hmm. And so I got into this social media club called USC Reach on campus and I really started building it there. I started leading just different like brand ambassador programs for TikTok and Tinder, Timberland, Smashbox, Abercrombie, so on and so forth. I did 13 overachiever over here. Nice. Yeah. Um, And I just, I think one day I just realized that I could make more quite frankly if Mm -hmm. I just stepped in front of it. But the one thing I kept constant was I'm going to always shoot to the best of my ability. I'm always going to use a camera because that's my passion Mm -hmm. and my love so I can direct something and produce it at a really high quality Mm -hmm. and that's carried me to where I am and there's some exciting things that I'm going to be doing with potentially one of the biggest brands that I'm really excited about that I can't talk about yet but it's like a full circle moment if you're getting what I'm saying relating to cameras. Very exciting. So yeah, I started on the lookout. Yeah, I I started all of that. And then I just kind of like kept riding with it. And during COVID, really, when I got sent home from USC in 2020, because I was a 2020 grad, yay me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, fantastic for me. I I started to focus and I was like, I don't really want to just talk about clothes. 
Right. I want to continue to talk about what I'm dealing with. And simultaneously, I had just finished my thesis, Discourse Between Myself and the Waiting Room, where I walked people through a photo essay mm-hmm. of my experience as a patient. Mm. And I started posting about that. And as I did that, more and more people started joining, like following me and being in the community and talking about body image when you're home with your family and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, that's really how it all kind of started. And things just have been snowballing, which is great. It's awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a really supportive community, Mm -hmm. but do you ever get any online trolls? Yeah. So I have an international audience. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of like foreign fans. Okay. And so I I wouldn't say it's trolls. I mostly get like weird like marriage proposals through my dms got it yeah and you're like listen i'm not a mail order bride (laughs) exactly Um, no offense (laughs) just not my line of work exactly and so it's really funny but i actually think you know a lot of influencers or people that are up-and-coming creators don't they're not necessarily educated on the tools that exist within the platform to like block certain words so i block anything negative curse words, you know, Mm -hmm. body shaming, anything I don't want to see, I block. And that's a tool that I just enabled. And so for me to deal with the trolls, I don't really have to because the algorithm does it for me. That's so smart. And what are some myths or false information that goes around about chronic illness? The biggest one is that it looks different for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm dealing with a bunch of different things, but you would never know. Mm -hmm. And it's the same about mental health too. It's the same about body image. And I think that it's just always important to have the most compassion for anyone, especially if they're being vulnerable enough to share something that has potentially shaped their life, Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's good or bad. It's shaped them in some way. It shaped their relationships. And so I just think it's really important Mm -hmm. to just always have compassion first. Uh, If you are dealing with a health issue, it's like give yourself that grace yep. uh, because a lot of times you're hard on yourself. You're like, I'm not doing enough. I c- can't do this. So like maybe I'm less than your self-worth can get really entangled. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you know what? Some days are just really fucking hard. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, some other myths, I mean, chronically ill people aren't active. Chronically ill people or disabled people can't like do good work. Mm-hmm. And that's just really ableist, quite yeah. frankly. There's, it, it's just, it's, it's really messed up. There's no other words than it's really messed up. And there needs to be a change on a, you know, I think a policy level about that to educate people. And what's a good way for like a friend or family member to show support for someone that has a chronic illness? Yeah, I would say just really being patient, right? Mm -hmm. I think my friends have been so supportive and patient at the same time. They've been very like, how can I help you? Or like, I want to Like, let me, like, wash the dishes. Like, we ordered in. Like, I'll just, like, take care of it for you. And it is a lot of, like, acts of service stuff. But I think also just having conversations also about, like, what you can and can't do Mm -hmm. is really important. I know a conflict that I've been going over and over in my head is a friend of mine is having this birthday party. And it's, like, on a bus with a lot of people that are going to be drinking late Mm -hmm. at night. And, like, I haven't had alcohol in two and a half years. And... It just doesn't sound fun. I go to sleep at 8.30 and I want to support my friend. But I am at the point where I can have an honest conversation and say, hey, look, this is something that's going to affect my physical health. Mm -hmm. I'll take you out to brunch tomorrow, the Mm -hmm. next day. But being realistic about your expectations as well as your boundary of just like, I can do this, can't do that. And you either love it or hate it. And 
Luckily, I've had a handful of really, true, incredible friends that have just been so supportive. I've also had a handful of really disrespectful assholes, quite frankly, who have just said, like, you're selfish, you don't care, like, you're so focused on your other stuff that you can't support me in this, and it's like, people just need to be really open and honest and vulnerable and, and talk openly about why they're having those, like, emotions of not it's really comes down to significance yeah and people with health issues a lot of the time or it can go two ways it can go with like really like a victim mentality mm -hmm. and other people see it as like you're selfish because you take up all the time that it is together and it's always about your health and your needs specifically mm -hmm. the right people are not going to be like that right um the other one is kind of like an inspiration porn kind of thing where it's like people are like oh well if i just do this with you maybe you'll get better right and it's like chronic illness doesn't go away like that yeah like it takes years and years it lit like again it took me 13 years to get my endometriosis diagnosis which has left me feeling just angry, sad, happy, like joyful, hopeful, all of these emotions. And now I just get to talk to my friends about it because they've been there with me the whole time. Yeah. What advice do you have for someone that is diagnosed with a chronic illness or autoimmune condition? Yeah. I mean, I think I touched on a lot of it, but I think yeah. it's really about like giving yourself that grace and that opportunity to be mad. Mm -hmm. You can, you can grieve the life that you would have lived before this health diagnosis, uh -huh. you also can see it as something, as a, as a tool, as something that's powerful where you can go, you know what, now that I have this diagnosis, I can do X, Y, and Z to feel my best. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm literally just focused on healing and luckily I'm at a point in my career and in my life where I'm able to go to sleep at 8.30 at night if I need to. I think it's just really important to put your needs first and figure out what works for you. And literally this has taken me over a decade. So like, it's not like it happens overnight. You're going to have to be patient with yourself too. Yeah. But it is okay to feel this frustration and this rage, but try if you can to be a little hopeful of what your life can look like and how you can build it mm -hmm. after the fact. Mm -hmm. So don't like bottle it up, pretend yeah. everything's okay. Like it's all right to feel that, you know, mm -hmm anger and rage, but also hopeful. And how's your dating life been? I mean, how is it kind of like dating with a chronic illness yeah. and what, what does that look like? There. What does that <laughs> look like for you? Yeah, well, it definitely was really challenging for me um, during my college years. I think not only are college age men usually dumb and immature, mm -hmm. respectfully, not all of them, most of them. <laughs> um, but I think because again, like I didn't look sick. It was really a matter of like, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how far I could push my body and not. And so there were just a bunch of bad experiences for me. However, I've kind of taken that and I did over COVID, I didn't date anyone. And I, you know, just, I feel like I'm at this place where they, they say this thing about like, you can't date somebody until you know yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's finally a place where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. And so it, all of the bad things, all of the rotten garbage taught me about what I want on my plate. And what do you want? What are you looking for in partnership? Yeah, I think it's like, first of all, like patience. I know this is a mm -hmm. theme, but I think it's really important to be patient with your partner in general, mm -hmm. but especially as you're healing, it's not like overnight you're going to get better. I've been on this, you know, incredible month long journey, but that's not to say that it can't come back. It's not to say that in like a year, I'm not going to need another surgery. Right. And so just patience, grace, compassion, 
um, you know, hopefully laughter. I love a lot of like romance. Mm -hmm. We love a romance moment. We love flowers mm -hmm. in this house. Um, <laughs> I also think it's really important. Like I'm a big quality time kind of girl. So like, I don't need to go out, but like, let's cook a meal. Yeah. You know? Um, I also think just like somebody who's very ambitious and like doing their own thing because I'm a girl that does a lot. And in the past I've had people be like, Oh, it's too much. Like you're doing too much. And I'm like, go find less. Like, I, like, I can't deal with you. Like, that's just not something I'm interested in. I want somebody who's like genuinely going to like change the world some way. Nice. And I can be detached from that, mm -hmm. you know, also not judgmental about the social media thing mm -hmm. because I've definitely had some judgments in the past, which were really annoying. Those guys weren't worth it. No, no. forget about it. And speaking of doing more yeah. doing a lot, um, you're doing entrepreneurial work now, yes. right? Can you tell us about that? Sure. Okay. So I am currently on a speaking tour. Nice. I'm talking to a lot of different universities. I'm going to Yale in two weeks. I'm going to USC. Yale, no big deal. Yeah, it's you my know, first IV. Starting small. <laughs> my first <laughs> IV. I'm so excited about it. Um, then I'm going to the USC Women's Conference, a couple other conferences happening later in the year, and uh, just talking about Gen Z and mm -hmm. kind of like what the future of work looks like as it pertains to social media and and mental health. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of conversation and maybe controversy just about Gen Z snowflakes. And I'm like, guys, you're adults calling literal kids snowflakes. Like, grow up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're you're the, the people that are genuinely causing this generation a lot of mental stress by saying you're not enough from the get-go. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, young people look up to older people, and if the older people are telling us we're not enough, our self-worth is going to be in the drain. Right. And so how do you build when your self-worth's already on the bottom? So mm -hmm. a lot of my talks are also about self-confidence and self-worth and really pushing through it and training your mindset. So uh, a lot of that. And then I'm actually ready writing a children's book mm. and it should be out early spring. Exciting. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to in 2023? I think I'm most looking forward to like my healing journey mm -hmm. and simultaneously seeing how I grow from it mm -hmm. and even move past it where again, I know that I now have endometriosis. How can I eat better? How can I move better? Yeah. How can I treat myself better mm -hmm. and feel and look my best and then perform my best and help more people? So that's what I'm most interested in, excited to watch myself do over the next year. Well, this has been such an amazing, inspiring conversation. Um, and I definitely can't wait to see what you're up to in the coming year and follow along. So where can everybody follow you yeah. if they want to know more? So you can Google me. Okay. Um, <laughs> easiest, <laughs> easiest way, but no, all seriousness, my handles are the at symbol, the word it's, and then Gigi Robinson. So it's Gigi Robinson on all socials. Great. Yeah. Well, thank it. you so much. Thank you. We'll be following you. Woo. <laughs> mm -hmm.